Welcome back to Coaching Kernan. I'm Dave D'Agostino, your co-host, and I'm joined by my Hall of Fame partner here, Kevin Kernan. We're at episode 44 now, and this is Coaching Kernan Podcast Network's version of Real Voices of the Game. We have a special treat for you today. We have two guests, so we're going to test my technical abilities here, managing two guests at one time. Uh, we have Jeff Idelson, recently retired Hall of Fame president, 26 years in Cooperstown, the last 12 as president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, and we're, we're joined with Gene Fruth, one of baseball's preeminent photographers, recognized by Sony as one of its 48 notable artisans of imagery, spent time in Cuba, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. And we're, we're here to celebrate two things with them. They're both co-founders of a nonprofit organization called Grassroots Baseball, uh, celebrates and promotes the amateur game around the world. And they've also put together this fabulous coffee table book of photography about the amateur game along Route 66 from Chicago to Santa Monica. Um, it's a connection also to the historic highway. Uh, Jeff and Jean, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Oh, looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Dave yeah. and Kevin. Oh, no, no worries. This is going to be fantastic for our audience. And so, you know, our mission for the show and our series of shows, we now have six on our network is to build better baseball IQs with our audience. And I thought this was an appropriate topic, uh, as Kevin did as well. He did a wonderful piece on Ball 9 on you guys. But it, with the state of the game today, I really think it's important for our audience, both children and adults, to take a stronger look at grassroots because that's where it's at. Um, I, my, my first question, it may be a tough question, it's probably like asking who your favorite child is to a parent, but... With all your travels, uh, and, and both of you, I'd like an answer to if it's possible. Um, what was your favorite spot? What spot hit you the most? Mm. Well, for me, I'd have to say in all my travels, it was probably Cuba. Um, just the baseball there, the experience there. I've, I've gone back quite a few times. And um, just the the love of the game and, and um, you know, the the lack of, you know, not, not, not for money, not for contracts and uh, just such an enjoyable experience. And then just the culture of the people, the education that they have. And, um, and I, I traveled all around the Island shooting baseball there and, and combining it with the music, the food and the incredible people and the geography. It was, uh, I, I always want to go back and, and have more. Do you have a trip lined up? No, up? but I'm thinking about it for this winter. I gotta figure it out. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so it's, Coaching, on, it's it's right there. <laughs> Coach and Kerner would love to join you on that trip to do maybe a remote show from there. So think about us when you're booking that travel. What what about along Route 66? What was your what was your favorite spot? Mm, my favorite spot would I, I mean there was a lot of places. That's that's a tough one. But in uh, Oklahoma City, going to Commerce, Oklahoma. The home of Mickey Mantle uh, was really special for me. All along Route 66, there's so much uh, baseball history, and it, it really runs deep. But it doesn't run any more deep than I mean than Commerce, Oklahoma, and and just uh, being at the house that Mickey Mantle grew up in, the barn where his dad and his grandfather pitched to him, the water tower with pinstripes and a number seven, Commerce High School who honors Mickey Mantle with a statue of him in their, uh, past their outfield. And, um, he's present everywhere you go. And, uh, it was very special for me. That was, that was a fa one of the favorites of mine too. I heard, grew up hearing stories about that barn when my dad was trying to teach me to be a switch hitter, the commerce common, I think they call them too. But Jeff, what about you with, with your travels along the route 66? What, what spot hit you the hardest? Well, that's a great question, Dave. And uh, as Gene alluded to, I mean, the entire route just had so many fantastic places. But if I had to pick one, it probably would be Williams, Arizona. And uh, and that stretch of I-40, Route 66 up there that goes through the northern part of the state, that's where uh, Billy Hatcher's from, who uh, played for the Reds for many years and uh, had just told a great story in the book about growing up there. It's the gateway to the Grand Canyon. It's a small little town. Uh, that's very multicultural. And to see where he grew up and how close he was to his high school and just the connection he has to that city, plus all that that, uh, that city has connected to Route 66 is really magnificent. And then just not too far east of there on 66 is Winslow, Arizona, you know, where the famous corner is. And that's a nice tie back to Americana as well. Yeah, beautiful picture. And I, I thought it was a great choice to include essays alongside of the pictures. What 
what was the thought process with making it picture and small essay by a, a major leaguer or former major leaguer? Go ahead, Gene. Well, I think the idea, uh, Dave, was that, uh, you know, you wanted to bring Gene's pictures all tell stories, but it's great to have a narrative to uh, accompany the photographs. And so, you know, Gene's thought about uh, tying Hall of Famers in her first book, uh, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin, back to the regions. We carried through to this book with Route 66. And so when you look at those areas and you look at the, the players that have grown up along there, uh, we, we, we tried to select essays, essayists who we thought would have a great impact. So George Brett, uh, Johnny Bench, and Jim Tomey are our three Hall of Famers. Alex Bregman, of course, and, uh, who grew up in Albuquerque, tells a great story about growing up there. And then you have Billy Hatcher, Ryan Howard, and Adam LaRoche, who all contributed essays uh, that are really compelling and give you a, a good sense of what it was like to grow up in those regions and are the perfect uh, complement to Gene's photographs. Yeah, I thought it personalized it really well. I, I thought it was a great choice. It was very unique in its sense. Kevin, you had you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, I think uh, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands how fantastic this book is. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of baseball books over the last 50 years, but this really takes you there. The, the photos, are, and it's not just like when you say Mickey Mantle's house, I want to make this clear. It's, it's, it's a two-page spread. And I, I'm going to let Jean tell the story, but how she decided how to shoot that commerce baseball team. And also, she can also address Jeff's ability to find stuff that she needed to make it better and also drive that RV over those uh, close to 3,000 miles. So, Jean, just give us a breakdown on, on your thought process, because to me, it's always interesting you know, I've worked with a lot of great photographers through the years with the Post, and I used to see you all the time in the West Coast, San Francisco, Oakland, and some great photographers out there and some unique people as well, as you well know. But <laughs> just give us your thought process on how you made that Mickey Mantle picture special because you brought really uh, present day to past right there. It will, it's you know important to tell the story of Mickey Mantle and Commerce Oklahoma. So that's that's my job is to tell the story with the photographs. And ideally, you know, you look at a photograph, it doesn't need a caption, and it tells the story. And um, I had a chance to work with the Commerce baseball team, Commerce high school baseball team, shot some of their practices, and I asked them if they'd be interested in going over to Mickey Mantle's house, posing in front of his house for a picture in honor of Mickey Mantle. And they were they were really so into it. It was just delightful to work with. There's a maturity to these kids. And, you know, we talked about that, you know, a lot. Like when you go through these small towns, towns where, you know, it's a town that uh, it doesn't have a lot of money, there's serious problems, and, and real life hits you early in places like that. And these kids definitely had a, a seriousness to them. They were thinking about a lot of them were seniors, what they're going to do next. And they did understand and had such a respect for who came before them. So we went over to Mickey Mantle's house and I needed to get up high because I also wanted to show a bit of what commerce looks like. So that required a very tall ladder and there was no place to get a ladder in commerce, the small town. And their, their athletic department didn't have one. So we had to order one from another town, have it shipped to the high school. And then the kids brought it over in the school bus that they travel to uh, away games with. And they were just terrific. So I was up on this ladder. And it's always thanks to Jeff, by the way. Jeff has found many ladders for three years along Route 66. Not only did he do all the driving of the RV, I never drove the RV. And we had this RV with sponsors all over it. And we had Rawlings baseball gloves and balls for kids uh, uh, during um, clinics that we did. But this particular shoot had to be up high. We needed to get the barn and the house in the shot. We wanted it to be, you know, the, the book is a horizontal format. So we wanted it to be a double, you know, a double spread um, across both pages and really be dramatic and be able to see the barn and the house and the kids posed in all different direct, you know, places for me. Um, I had a few different ideas that I wanted them to do and they gave me all the time in the world. And when we were done, they put the ladder in the school bus, we donated it to the school and, uh, and off they went and we made a picture and all the kids got a copy 
of the picture as well, which was important to them and important for us to share it. And we did that all along Route 66 is share photos with with teams and with with kids. And you had 12, I think it was 12 kids in the photo. And the little things that I love is like the last the last uh, player along the barn, he's got his he's got his shin guards on. So, you know, you know, right then and there what he's the catcher and things like that. So everybody yeah, plays in full uniform. That's that's incredible and great uniforms, and, and uh, I think uh, like you said that life hits them hard. Some of them are going to be welders. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And um, getting and 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 facing these people face to face. I mean, again, I used to always take a photographer with me on my assignments, and I was lucky enough to have uh, many times the late Anthony Causey, who was tremendous and would come up with ideas. But he was a really people person, and. Um, you know, he cared about people, and and you can see that in your photos is the same way. Because tell tell us about the uh, another great photo, and I, there's so many of them in here. I mean, it's incredible. But the uh, I think it's a '68 Chevy truck. But that how did that come about? Because again, you're trying to make a picture, and you're going into it pretty open minded, and you you the creative juices have to flow, and then then the the people help you out, and before you know it, you have an incredible shot. And it really, it is about connecting with people and, you know, and, and that's what both, you know, Jeff, we both love the connections that we made all over. We're still in touch with so many people, people we would have never met. And that's what my camera does for me throughout, you know, my life and my career is it connects me with people I would have never met, open doors, places I would have never traveled to and lifelong friends that you make certainly and, and connections that you'll never memories that you'll never forget and the stories and and that's what it is it's the journey you know i'm so excited that there's this book but the memories and the journey getting there it's that's what it's all about just like for you as a writer i mean the, the journey is is what it's about and the uh, the cover of the book um uh i didn't know it was going to be a cover but it certainly had a good chance as I wanted a, an old part of route 66, you know, you got to show the road. You got to show baseball. We're tying in route 66 with Americana and baseball. It doesn't get more Americana than baseball and route 66. So um, we wanted an old truck along route 66 uh, in Oklahoma. And one of the parents of the high school baseball team, Binger high school, where Johnny bench went to high school, uh, just randomly said, hey, we're going to get a pickup truck. Would any of your players be interested in, do they ride in the back of a pickup truck? Is that something they might do, go to a game? And she said, well, actually, uh, our kids do ride in the back of a pickup truck. We have them. We have a 1968 Chevy that my husband just refurbished. Would you would, would you like a picture of it to see if you might be interested in that? Well, Yeah. I'm certainly interested in that. Are you kidding me? And she sends this picture of this incredible truck. And she says, yeah, we ride to games in it. And when my son graduates, he's a senior, he gets the truck and he gets to keep it until my daughter graduates. And then she gets the truck. So it's got a great story. It's real. They do it. The dad drives them to games all the time. And in the back of that pickup truck, the three seniors, the three captains of the team, head off along Route 66. Uh, it was incredible. And, and it was really thanks to this mom who, you know, helped us along the way. And we made great pictures uh, that day all along. route. You know, we scouted the, the spots we wanted. And so we knew the route and scouting and doing your homework is, is a big part of, of making the pictures that you want. So I always go before and have a look. And there were so many great places along that stretch of Route 66 that uh, we made a lot of nice pictures on the way there and then sunset on the way back. So there's actually a second shot from that shoot. Couldn't resist it in the Oklahoma chapter um, of them coming back from their game at the end of the day. Yeah. Before I ask Jeff something uh, along those lines in Oklahoma, I wanted, because you just touched on it, Gene, and uh, I think uh, scouting the shoot, Doing your homework. I know you have a couple, uh, you, you have some how-to kind of like things on YouTube uh, about about sports photography. But a lot of our listeners, we, we have listeners from all over the world. Uh, a lot of young women play softball, things like that, and, and other sports. And 
just just let people know the art of doing this job. It's not just showing up and take you know snapping a picture. Give us some background on what you have to do to get it right and uh, and help these young because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of young photographers uh, listening to this because everyone's a photographer now with iPhones. So so uh, help Matt a little bit with some tips. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It really is about, you know, planning. I mean, people talk about the creative process being, you know, romantic and, you know, the artist drifts off to sleep and, you know, wakes up with their next, you know, subliminal like thoughts and and their next creative genius comes and, you know, they can't wait to get out there. And that's never happened to me. You know, for me, it's coffee, a pot of coffee in the morning, sitting in front of my computer and research, research, research. And, uh, you know, lucky, we're lucky, you know, to have the internet. So research is easier than ever. And it's also planning. So, I mean, Jeff, we have such great contacts with Little League International, and they connect us with the directors, the presidents of Little Leagues in every town, in every state. And we make all of these connections before we even show up. And, you know, minor league ballparks, lots of phone calls. Who can we connect with? Who's there? And having a look. And, and the more research you do as a photographer, the more prepared you're going to be to get the shot. And then you're showing up early and scouting. I never show up to a game without scouting. And it doesn't matter if it's the World Series or if it's a Little League game. I'm there hours before, sometimes the day before. If I have an afternoon where it's you know middle of the day where I'm not going to be shooting at 12 o'clock, photographers know we don't like 12 o'clock light. It's not pretty. We want 4 p.m. games. So I'll use that middle of the afternoon for scouting, and I look at what my backgrounds are, what I might ask for, and particular shots I might be looking for. I'm making a book. What do I have, and what might I? What what what, what can I add? Was there a different angle? Is there an up position? Is there something special that I want to get, you know, and maybe it's just uh, kids putting eye black on and I want a shot like that for the book. So I'll look for that and be ready for that. And I make a shot list for myself of what I'm trying to accomplish for each shoot I go to every single shoot. No, that's so well said. And, and the enthusiasm in your voice is, is wonderful. And I think the passion of what you do and, and I've known Jeff, you know, forever and the passion he brings to it as well, because he also was in the PR business with the Yankees way back when, Mr. Steinbrenner. So he's he's worked for some tough people. And the, the, the working at the Hall of Fame, it's always one of my favorite places to go. And there's great people up there still, even with Jeff gone. Um, but, but what Jeff, I think, brought to the project, too, which I love, is that we get to see Johnny Bench, you know, as almost like one of these kids that you're shooting. He, he's almost reverts back to that form of the love of baseball. So, so Jeff, tell, tell us how Johnny, um, all your conversation with Johnny through the years, how special a human being he is and, and what he, what he cares about people and, and does for the game. Oh, he's, he's just great. He, um, he, he, he brings so much to the game, Kevin, as you know, and, and even in retirement, he still is a long retirement is still one of baseball's biggest champions. And, um, you know, to, to see him, uh, how he interacts with people, how he promotes the game. Um, in Cooperstown, he took on the role of being sort of like the the, um, the, the the Hall of Fame whisperer, if you will, or the den mother. I don't know how to quite to say it, but, you know, when, with Stan Usual and Ted Williams passing away and, and sort of that higher echelon of, of of greatness, he took on the role of welcoming the new guys into the Hall of Fame once they got there. And so after the induction on Sunday every year, he'll bring the new Hall of Famers uh, onto some rocking chairs on the, as you've been there, Kevin, on the veranda, back veranda of the Otisaga overlooking the lake. And he'll tell them to just remember how special it is to enjoy the experience, to remember that they're uh, representing the Hall of Fame and what that means. And so you know, I give Johnny a lot of credit for wanting to really keep the Hall of Fame front and center, keep baseball front and center. And then beyond that, he's just he's he's the soft side of him is he's 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 a dad. He's a father with two teenagers. And uh, I think he's an even better parent than he was a ball player. He really has worked hard at it um, and uh, maybe not maybe not quite as good. But my point is, he's put the same energy into that with his children who are just wonderful uh, as he has with baseball. And, and before I turn it back to Dave, there's, there's two other questions I've got to ask Gene because of the photos. 
and I don't want to forget about them because they really touch touch my heart. Um, the, the old the older gentleman, the field is named after him, and he's grooming the field between games. I, it, and you talked about low league, and we've had Steve Keener on the show, president CEO, and uh, we know what the people in little league do, the volunteers. Give us a little background, Gene, on that shot. Uh, with, with the gentleman, and, and please tell the story too about how he wanted you to come and cut when he was cutting the grass, and then also the the dad and the and the son catcher and the hug at home plate. So there's there's two more photo assignments for you to deal with. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, um, Wayne Metcalf, Baxter Springs, Kansas, is the picture that we're talking about, and he was a volunteer for Little League. Did all administrative. Uh, he was connected somehow to Little League International. All, I mean, he's done every job in Little League, coached, umpire, and t- still today, uh, and he's in his 90s, Wayne uh, is taking care of the Little League field right across the street from his home, right next door to his home. He has a little shop and he's the town barber on top of everything else. So for over 50 years, he's cutting hair, taking care of of this field and seeing so many kids, the parents grow up, their kids, and the pride that he has, the civic pride in Baxter Springs Little League. And he was just so joyous to be part of our project. And people, they love you know being featured. What you want Baxter Springs, Kansas Little League to be part of your book. And you know, and we're shooting these kids like they're major leaguers and giving it the same attention because they, they deserve the same attention because that's where it all starts. That's grassroots baseball. And so there's Wayne. It was the opening day and he's out there, you know, in between games, getting the fields ready for the next game with such pride. He was so worried because we had bad weather right before opening day. And he called me and said, oh, you know, um, the grass is not looking so good. I'm not sure for the, I'm like, Wayne, it's going to be fine. I know it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And he was so concerned that it wasn't going to be as green as it should be because of the weather he was getting. But I wanted a shot of him, uh, you know, mowing the, mowing the field because he does it with a hand mower. And I just thought that was terrific. Um, but uh, he wasn't going to do it the day that I was there. And I went back to San Francisco and then I get Wayne calling him. I'm like, who's this calling me? Oh, hello. Is this, this nice young lady photographer? I'm going to be mowing the lawn tomorrow, uh, mowing the, mowing the field tomorrow. If you want to come by and take your pictures. I'm like, Wayne, I'm back in San Francisco, but I'll be back. I'll be back. And, uh, and he's just, you know, that, that's, that's small town baseball, small town USA. It, It just, doesn't get any better. And to tie it back to Johnny, one other thing about Johnny is he's really grassroots baseball. He has never left his roots. He's so connected to Binger, Oklahoma, to the people there. There's a museum with his name. Uh, He's got awards there and gold gloves there. And the pride he has for Binger and his his graduating class, they still get together. I went to a high school reunion of Johnny's a few years ago as part of, I was down there. So I went and you know, met these ladies, they had their hair done and, oh, I, I dated Johnny when I was a junior. And then (laughs) I dated Johnny when I was a senior and he's putting his arms around all of them and all these guys. And he's connected to Binger, Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. He's grassroots baseball. Yeah. And the, uh, and that's so true. And I can just see uh, Mr. Metcalf uh, and, and the picture again, the picture you got makes it special because he's, He's kind of like pulling the broom, you know, and we've all been there. Anybody with kids and uh, been involved with Little League and uh, the thought process of, you know, wanting to include you uh, with taking the picture of him cutting the grass. And that, that's what it is. They, they care. They care about their fields. They care about their kids. And, and, and they want to show it off in a way that represents the community. And I think that's to me, that's another thing that hit me about this book was the sense of community, which I think in some ways is overlooked nowadays especially when it comes to baseball, you got to get back to the community grassroots and get these people in major league games that get them in the ballpark to see games. And, and the, uh, the, the, another picture that just says it all is the, um, the young man giving a little, he's in full catcher's gear. I think it's a T-ball game and he's given his, I think it's his coach, but it, it was that his dad as well. Give him a hug. It was his dad as well. And it, and, and, 
and that is what I hope the book does is show that the community communities are, are alive and well, and that's what it's about building community and going to your minor league ballparks. And that picture of the boy and his dad, his dad being his coach, the memories that people have about that. You think about your dad coaching the first time you went to a game with your dad or your mom, keeping score, getting your first autograph and going to minor league ballparks is just such a great, great way to do it. And there's that kid, you know, hugging his dad. And that's what baseball does. It connects generations. And that's what grassroots baseball is, connecting generations. And, you know, we've got a lot of stuff that's going on in the world that's not so great. And, you know, baseball brings joy and it brings communities together where there's so many things that divide our communities. It's a place where we can meet and have joy and, you know, put other differences aside. And I mean, look at the baseball teams out there. They're from so many different backgrounds and, you know, you're not getting into the politics, into religion, into you're just all coming together for something that's joyous. Yeah. And, and you you can both handle this one, but uh, Gene, I think you should start it because not only were you shooting, uh, you know, you know, going somewhere and shooting, but you saw some great games too. There was, I think the tournament in Albuquerque, uh, you know, with uh, St. Pius, uh, the 10th uh, school playing, uh, you, you have a wonderful shot of those, uh, Sartans uh, kneeling before the game, and then tell tell us uh, uh, you first, Gene, then Jeff, about the experience of just seeing good baseball because that that was a heck of a game. Oh, it really was. It was a great uh, all of those games. When you get to a high school level state championship, so you're seeing the best of the best, and kids, of course, they're playing different. You know, when they're playing for for their state championship and everything's on the line they're playing at a higher level, just like our major leaguers do when they get to the playoffs. You know, everybody raises their game. And that's what a state championship baseball does. And I I love shooting state championship. All the states, you really see a great mix of of games and kids and and players and um, everybody out there. And, you know, just that game being the last game for the state championship and these two teams going at it, it ends up that the uh, the high school where Alex Bregman uh, went to school ended up being the victor of that of that match, but it it was a uh, well played game. It went back and forth a few times. I mean, everybody was on the edge of their seat, and and for me, you know, and and I know you 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 can really feel this. Is um, I made the decision to to photograph the losing team at the end of that game because there was just nothing you know, more intense than a a kid who's played high, he's played baseball all his life, you know, from little league and T-ball. And that is most likely his very last game. We know very few then go on to college and even, you know, less onto the major leagues, of course. But, you know, most of the time, like when it's a a high school game, a, a state championship is their very last game. And, you know, the, the kids that, you know, cry, you know, and they cover their faces and the intensity of that emotion. People say, well, how can you photograph that? Well, when I do, I just so you know, I'm crying too. Every single time it gets me. I think about it as soon as I think about, oh my gosh, it's their last game. I'm bawling as I'm shooting it, you know, like, okay, don't do that. Stay in control. But it's like, you really feel the emotion and you capture the emotion. And I think it's so important to capture because that kid who's crying, he cares more than anybody else on that field. So capturing that is, I just think, so important. And it evokes memories for all of us of what that was like, you know, and how that feels and how important it was playing baseball all of those years growing up in the community. You know, those memories you have forever. You, You forget, you know, the the games, you know, but you, the memories, you know, are always there. And Jeff, you, uh, you know, you, you, you're seeing all this as well. And you've seen it from major league side, you know, obviously, I mean, through the years, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, you know, what it's like being around those hall of famers, but you see that emotion from different perspectives as well. So seeing it on the grassroots level and then knowing to, from the hall of fame side, I mean, that's gotta be uh, that's gotta be a powerful moment too. It really is. And, uh, you know, it's it what it tells you at the high school level is it's it's the emotion is very, very pure, you know, and it, you know, you'd like to think it is when you get to the major league level. But there are other factors involved as you get older and how you think about things. But the emotion is so raw, it's so real at the high school level. And, you know, to be in Albuquerque, to see that the five different division championships, 
uh, was just awesome to be sitting in uh, Santa Ana Star Field where the University of New Mexico plays, a beautiful stadium that uh, Ray Birmingham, the longtime coach there, had a hand in building. And then uh, uh, to see to see these games unfold in front of you and the emotion of all the parents that are there, the fans, the friends, the kids, all of it is, is, is really great. It's funny, I, did, I asked Ray, uh, who Gene and I got to know uh, during uh, during COVID, that uh, it's Gene and I talk about one of the tiny tiny positives out of COVID as we all slowed down, and it allowed us to spend you know a couple hours with with Ray one day. But I called him before the uh, the championship game when Albuquerque was playing Albuquerque Academy, and because uh, he and, he and uh, Alex Bregman are, are very close because Alex was his bat boy when he was a little kid uh, for University of New Mexico. And I said, you know, is there one, you know, any players on that Albuquerque team I should keep an eye on? He said, I worked with this kid who plays in left field, keep an eye on the tall, skinny kid in left field. Sure enough, the kid's wearing number nine. He looks like Ted Williams wearing number nine. And he hits a a bases loaded, game ending, championship ending triple to to win the game. And it was just, Gene's got it captured in the book beautifully. Oh, what a picture. Yeah, yeah, I see the number nine. Right. And it just just resonated with, uh, it just all kind of came full circle because of that. Great story. Go ahead, I, Dave. Yeah, no, I, I when you, you talked uh, before about the pickup truck, I'm from upstate New York. So when I saw that pickup truck driving, and, and Jeff, you spent lots of time up there, obviously in Cooperstown. I was about an hour away. I grew up uh, in Schenectady. And uh, that's how we used to travel to games when we were in Little League in Babe Ruth. So when I saw that pickup truck, I immediately smiled and I sent a picture to my mom to take a look. And I said, you remember, and that, that's back before the days where seat belts and helmets were needed uh, <laughs> to go to games. So, um, but I, I wanted to ask about the, the essays match the pictures so well. And we, we heard about Gene, the preparation, what you guys did with, you know, scouting out the pictures. I have to imagine that the essays were, were equally uh, researched and thought out. How? Did, what kind of instruction did you give the uh, major leaguers uh, in terms of writing the essay? We we gave them an open uh, open format. We just asked them to, to to think about why it was that baseball mattered to them, what it was like growing up in the region, and uh, what what were some of the great memories that they had uh, related to baseball and growing up along Route sixty six and. You know, we picked, we tried to pick guys who we thought would be thoughtful writers and, um, you know, by and large, they delivered. And, uh, it, it, you know, just overall, the essays were wonderful and really give you, I think, as I said, a, a nice compliment to Gene's photographs about what it might have been like 30, 40 or 50 years earlier there and seeing pictures of today. Did they write that independent of the pictures or did they, they get a chance to see the picture before they, they wrote it? That's a great question. They actually wrote, we got the essays early for this book and it became, it was terrific because it it also, it helped my preparation. It became a roadmap for me. I mean, George Brett talked about the Rose Bowl and I already had some photos of the Rose Bowl just because I I shot uh, an anniversary game there a while back. But I, I maybe want to go back and take, you know, just another picture of the Rose Bowl in a different way, kind of what you'd see driving by, you know, for the Rose Bowl. So the outside of it, I wanted a different picture of that. And um, Alex Bregman had so many, you know, great memories of, of, I didn't think he'd really have much to say about Route 66. I thought he'd be too young to talk about Route 66, but he talked about the balloon fiesta and well, that was his opening line was uh, the balloon fiesta, which is, you know, a big deal for Route 66 in, in Albuquerque. And so, OK, we have to go out and get the balloon fiesta. And Ryan Howard talks about going to after Little League games, going to Ted Drew's ice cream shop and uh, ice cream uh, parlor and getting, you know, ice cream with the, with all of his teammates and. And wow, I hope that Ted Drews is still there and I hope Little Leaguers still go there. And sure enough, oh, yeah, lots of Little League teams go there and kids go there for, you know, get ice cream after. And it's right on Route 66. So it was I mean, not all of it worked, but it became it was great to have this roadmap from each one of them, some more than others, to be able to include pictures that really you know made their essays come alive. And I think they matched perfectly uh, with that. Kevin, you wanted to add something? Well, well, Ted Drews, first of all, anybody who doesn't know, you, you got to have it. It's, uh, you know, whenever I was in St. Louis, they would always bring it up to the press box. And I spent a lot of time in St. Louis going all the way back to, uh, you know, chasing, uh, uh, you know, the, the McGuire home run chase. And, <laughs> what, was uh, your, what was your order? I usually had the lemon. Mm-hmm. 
but they're all good. You know, I took oh, whatever was left because you got to remember, Gene, we're dealing with sports writers. So if I'm working hard like you are and I get to the back a little late, there's not a lot left. Yeah, those they guys go after the spread it. fast. It goes. Yeah, quick. they hit the spread like you wouldn't believe. And uh, it's like I once did a story. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I once did a story about the greatest gate chest cr- uh, crasher of all time, a guy named Dion Rich. He's still alive. He's in his 90s. And there's nobody more unique than this guy. He's crashed everything back when back when you could crash stuff, you know. And uh, he used to he's on he's actually in the Super Bowl carrying uh Landry off the field. Unbelievable. That's, you know, that, that's how we but, but when I did the story and I became I became friends with him to a degree and because uh, he was fun to deal with when I was living in San Diego. But he gave me great advice. He said the, the number one rule of gate crashing is eat first. Now this guy crashes the Academy Awards. He 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 goes into the, the seat uh, seat filler seats. He's everywhere. And if you know, so it was a great story. But I I've always remembered that piece of advice. Two pieces of advice I remember: Red Smith telling me when I was a very young reporter, the great Red Smith, saying, uh, you know, uh, I said, Red, why'd you get into sports writing? And he said. Uh, I wanted to live like a millionaire without the hassles. And that's basically was my, that, and, and, and Jeff knows from our time up in, uh, up in Cooperstown that, uh, you know, I, I don't miss a good, uh, a good spread or, or a chance to talk to good people. And, and that's, I think why I like this book so much is because you get the feeling um, about kids, you know, how much they're still, you know, they're great. You know, they, they're just great people and, and we get a chance to shape them. But also, Gene, I wanted to ask you, um, the kids from like the difference of the kids and the, maybe the way the eating habits or whatever, when you wind up in Santa Monica as opposed to Oklahoma. I mean, that's what uh, the culture. I mean, you say, well, isn't everything the same? Like you're going to the middle of the country. Not a chance. I mean, uh-huh. the baseball, of course, is played the same everywhere you go. It's you know, all around the world. But Baseball looks different in different places, the geography, the topography, and certainly the culture of the people. And when you're in Oklahoma and you're in commerce, those kids are very different than Santa Monica, California. Their hair, their eye black, their uniforms, you know, the flashiness of California versus, you know, the very stoic, more traditional look, you know, of kids in Oklahoma. And, you know, my job, you know, there's I love it all because I, the whole thing, the whole, what I love is the cultural difference, you know, and um, there was a little league game I was at in Santa Monica. They had a double header and in between the kids are having snacks. And I hear this kid say, mom, I need more guacamole. And I think you've got to be kidding me. And I like turn to see what kid said that, you know, and he's like blonde, long hair and <laughs> for look, you know, very yeah. flashy, everything, shoes, super, and I said, guacamole, you eat guacamole. I go, what about sunflower seeds? You should be having sunflower seeds. He goes, ugh, I hate sunflower seeds. So- oh, that's, that's classic. That's so it's good. Fabulous. Yeah. Hey, so hey, good. Kevin, I think Kevin, I think too that holds true at the at the little league fields what you eat and the, and the ballparks. So the two strangest things I tried were, Gene and I were uh, at a, at an independent league game in Southern Illinois near Route 66, and the PR guy asked me if I would eat something so that they could, you know, put it out on social media it was their, their world famous cheeseburger between two Krispy Kreme donuts. So I, I took one bite of this thing and I was like, oh my God, this is just unbelievable. So that was a little odd. And then in Missouri, Gene and I are at a little league park and they had uh, frozen pickle juice pops. And I'm like, wow, my God, that's actually an item on the menu. I've got to at least try it. And you know what it tastes like? Frozen pickle juice. <laughs> well, Nolan Ryan would use it, you know, for his uh, blisters. <clears throat> yeah. But Gene, I wanted to say too. I know you said it in passing, but I don't want to overlook the fact that the work you did to get these shots, uh, the balloon festival shot. How did that come about? Because I know that's not an easy shot to get. Oh, the balloon festival was just uh, okay. We, I mean, he opens the chapter with the, with balloons. Okay, we need to have balloons. Well, now it's COVID. The balloon fiesta is canceled. All right. By the time, if it could, it is. You know, the next time we're gonna have maybe the first one we didn't have his essay. The second one it's canceled. By the time the third fiesta, we, the book's gonna already be due to the publisher. We don't have time. 
So now we're, you know, are there going to be any other balloon events tied into baseball somehow? How can we do this? Well, we have this one minor league ballpark who says, well, you know, there are balloons that do take off. They use them for uh, promotions or for an opening day or for a special game. Okay, we have this balloon that's going to take off on this little league field in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're flying there specifically for this shot. Can we have both teams on the field for the balloon taking off? Sure, we think we could do that. Okay. So we go out there. It's so exciting. All the parents are there. All the kids are ready. The balloon's there. They start to blow the balloon up and they say, nope, sorry, it's it's too windy. We can't blow the balloon up. Now we've been checking the wind. There is, we can't feel a thing. It's so still. But what do you say? I mean, it's the pilot. You know, he's in charge. He says, no. Well, let's wait a little while. Now all the parents start getting annoyed and they're they're saying, this pilot doesn't know what he's talking about. I have a balloon guy we could use. Everybody started talking about their balloon guys. Oh, oh my gosh. You've got a balloon guy. This Forget this guy. I've got a balloon guy. And I'm like, well, we're not going to be able to get a balloon guy now. I mean, and everybody's going, this is ridiculous. And I'm in now we're talking to parents and we're agreeing with them. We're talking to the pilot. We're agreeing with him. We don't know what to do, but it's not, we're not making this balloon go up. And the balloon got blown up a little bit. Some kids walked by it. I made one picture and ended up being in the book, but it was not what it needed to be for, to make Alex Bregman's uh, essay really shine. And then we asked the publisher if we could hold off and would they give us just some empty pages so we could fill in with balloons uh, after the fact. And they said, yes. And so we went to the balloon fiesta as our last shoot, got to go up in a media balloon, shot sunrise and was able to make this one balloon shot. And of course, after I make these pictures, it's just me and the pilot. I'm thrilled. I'm like, okay, great. Let's land. He can't land. There's some problem and he can't find a place to land, the wind, I don't know. And we're up there and I'm texting Jeff. Hey, I don't know. He says we can't land yet. His people are following us in the car. We're going further and further away. There's no pretty light. There's nothing to shoot. I run out of things to talk to him about. We talked about baseball. We talked about kids. We talked, I mean, we're talking about football. Like we got, I have nothing else, you know, and we've just got nothing. And we finally land but it was hours later and jeff's like are you still okay i'm like yeah i'm just up here (laughs) waiting uh and then we ended up landing in a cemetery which i probably shouldn't even say that on the podcast and um and it was a little bit of a rocky landing but it was worth it the pictures ended up being beautiful the guy was great and uh and that was it that was the last shoot for the book (laughs) well and, and again, it, 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 it all comes through in every photo. I'm looking at that right now, you know, and it, it's absolutely incredible. And I again, going back to my days in California, I live above San Diego. So we used to have balloons come over the mountaintop all the time. Uh, and uh, there's nothing as awe-inspiring as seeing that balloon and uh, for you to be, but I can also understand being in it too long. Let's, let's get the heck down and let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, shooting a game from a blimp, you know, how long do you really want to be up there? I don't know, but it was, it ended up being, it was a beautiful experience. And uh, we went up the day before and Jeff went as well. And that was a real quick trip. It had to land really fast. I'm not quite sure why they have to stay up there, why they have to land, but um it, it made beautiful pictures. It was, and, and the fiesta itself has so much around it. It's another experience we would have never had if we weren't making this book. And people get up before sunrise and they're there and, you know, they have all kinds of kind of festival carnival food and um, waffle fries and, you know, all that like carnival food that you, you know, you get when the state fair comes to town kind of thing and at a great atmosphere. So uh, a really good time. Before I toss it over to Dave to wrap it up here, I wanted to, uh, you also told me a wonderful story about uh, Ted Drews and the, the kids sitting there and, and and you and Jeff can relay this one too, because it turns out that it's a generational game and you had a generational kid, literally kid who just happened to be there. Um, well, that's with, Jeff too. Jeff knows the game and history so well. Like that would have never happened without Jeff. It was a terrific moment. So Jeff, I'll let you tell it, but it's, 
he adds so much to the project with the, the depth of knowledge that he has for this game. Yeah, uh, Kevin, it was great. You know, we're getting these kids together for this little league photo, and you know, Jean's telling me how she wants to have line them up. You know, for you know, on the for this for the shot, and I'm just working with the kids, and the parents are off to the side, and this this one kid's got Harbosky on the back of his shirt, and I'm like, you know, is this a is this a retro shirt or is this really a Harbosky? So I said to the kid, you know, are you related to? you know, Al Harbosky, the mad Hungarian. He goes, that's my grandfather. I go, you're kidding me. Wow. So he says, no. So he ends up in the shot. And then, uh, you know, he never tells his grandfather. We we send Al a book. We're, we're getting ready to do a book signing with, with Ted Simmons in St. Louis. So, you know, he sent Al a book ahead of time and say, this is great. And he, and he had to call his grandson and say, are you going to tell me that you're in this picture? And so that's how, uh, you know, that's how the story went. And That's uh, a typical grandson. Believe me, I know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came to the book signing. That was so nice. He came to our gallery show in St. Oh, Louis. He made a donation wow. to Grassroots Baseball. And we just sent him a, a copy of the print. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah so nice. We, we definitely want to get that too. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just I was going to say, I guess you could call him the hungry Hungarian. <laughs> I like it. Well, everybody's hungry for Ted Drews. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to make that trip myself now with it. Um, with um, We want to make sure we get our audience how they can they can uh, purchase the book and donate to the nonprofit. But before we go, I know it had to be tough with all the preparation, 3,000 miles of travel. Um, the book tells a wonderful story with the pictures and the essays. What were were there any locations that may have been left out of the book that were, were hard fights at the end? You had to you know kind of cut make cuts on it. What were some favorite locations that may have been left out? I well, Gene, I don't think so. There is the uh, the Route sixty six song. Um, it says, "Get your uh, kicks on Route 66. Yeah. It says, "Don't forget Winona." There was nothing in Winona to shoot for. Ba- we we couldn't do Winona, but. Uh, uh, we didn't get that one. I mean, there are just there was more places. The thing we shot so many places that are not in the book that are not in the book. That's the thing about a book, right? You're, yeah. it, you get, we, the the number of hours and the amount of photos that we're taking, and then having to cut it down. We went back to the publisher and asked for more pages, but you know you can only ask for so more. Then they're, they're going to say no. So they gave us more because we really needed to tell the story in each state, and it's not putting pictures on a page. You really have to show this the viewer all these different types of baseball it's not just little kids playing baseball it's you know old guys playing vintage baseball in missouri and that grassroots baseball and then there's there's uh adults playing um baseball in a pueblo in new mexico the miracle league in oklahoma kids with uh, adults with disabilities playing baseball having the time of their lives they have a, a the miracle league is a great story so being able to tell everything from t-ball to minor leaguers to vintage baseball to women playing baseball, you know, all had to be represented to tell the grassroots story. So um, you always leave stuff out, but I do feel good at the end of the day that with the help that we had from designers and editors and uh, that we told the story in each state. I think that's great. I think you did a wonderful job. And Jeff, I've got one last question for you. We did a little research on, your rise to the baseball hall of fame. My favorite baseball place in the world is, is Cooperstown. Tell the audience just real quickly, what was your very first job? I think it was in Fenway park, right? Where you started your, your baseball uh, professional career as a, I don't know if you call it an administrator, but that was where you got your first job in baseball, right? Yeah, actually, uh, if you talk professional, I did get paid to be a vendor for six years. So as a yeah, vendor, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was that's a vendor. Exactly. Yeah, a vendor at Fenway Park from uh, when I was like 15 to 20. And, uh, you know, I I knew then, Dave, after spending my, you know, so many hours at the ballpark that if I could make a, a career out of working in baseball, that's really what I wanted. And I think being a vendor really showed me how comfortable I was to be there and to be around, you know, the, the, the great sports writers who I grew up reading and admiring, like Larry Whiteside and and Peter Gammons and, uh, and guys like that. And that was it. I just knew I, I knew I was hooked when I started vending at Fenway. Yeah. And what did you sell? Well, you start on the bottom rung. You sell popcorn where half of it blows out of those funnels. And then you get, you're selling Pepsi in April when it's 40 degrees out. But, you know, if you're lucky, you work your way up to hot dogs. And uh, <laughs> I, I did get those a few times. But you, you worked your way up to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So that's, uh, that's quite a rise from popcorn, I would say. 
with that. Gene, where'd you first fall in love with baseball? You know, I, I, I grew up in a hockey family in New York. We were Mets fans because of my grandfather listening to Mets games on the radio. But my love for baseball really was when I started coaching my son's uh, Little League team. I was coaching rookie ball because they didn't have anyone. And then Little League called me and said, we'd love you to coach Little League. And I said, well, my son's not going to be old enough to be in Little League next year. And believe me, you don't want me. There's better coaches out there. But they wanted women coaching. They, they didn't have any women coaching. And they were hoping if they got you know one or two, maybe that would lead to more. And so they promised to put me with experienced coaches if I did it. So I said yes. They took my son a year early. So he started at eight. And I just absolutely loved it. I never became much of a coach, but I was a good organizer. I did all, you know, once Little League gets you, they suck you in and you're doing all <laughs> kinds of things. You, exactly. you can't get out. I, I just did a fundraiser for them a few weeks ago. I love them. And my son's 25. So uh, I, and I fell in love with the grassroots game through that. I just, all of the... The small town, you know, this was up in Northern California in a, in a small, not as small as Cooperstown, but that same kind of feeling of community. And, and I, I loved it. I love everybody who grew up there and, you know, they stayed there and this, that whole feeling is just, there's just nothing like it. I know you have that in Schenectady as well. And um, uh, so it was a great experience for me. And I, I, I fell in love with the game. I shot all kinds of other sports. I was shooting high school sports and college sports for local newspapers, but baseball was always the love. Well, they must've had the best team photo. Everybody loved the photos. You make a lot of friends. (laughs) (laughs) You guys definitely, I mean, you guys are both at the top of your, your profession, but you epitomize, you you, you walk the walk and talk the talk. You epitomize grassroots baseball. I think our audience could feel that uh, with the conversation today. Where can they find the book now? Where can our audience uh, support you guys and purchase the book? And also, I want to make sure we get your website out there so we get people that can donate to the, the nonprofit as well. Well, you could do it all right through our website, Dave, grassrootsbaseball.org, grassrootsbaseball.org. Uh, we have the Route 66 book uh, for sale there, as well as Gene's first book, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin. Uh, they're all author signed and they're all free, free shipping as well. It's also a place where you can make a donation. We are a 501c3, so it is tax deductible. Great. And we'll, we'll include that in our show notes as well. And we'll put it up on our social media sites um, when we post the show uh, later today. Uh, you know, Jeff and Gene, thanks so much for being on the show today. And, and Kevin, thank you for um, kind of catapulting the article you did with Ball 9 and bringing it to, to audio here today with our show. I think it was fantastic. I think we both- uh, Great people, great, great, great cause and uh, get this book. Oh, without a doubt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order mine today. So guys, thanks so much again. This is episode 44, Real Voices of the Game. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much, guys. And I know, I know that- <laughs>